welcome to Beer Me. I am your host, Sarah Jane. Every week, I will have a guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world. From brewers, importers, educators, this will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am very excited for our guest today. Uh, During my time at the Craft Brewers Conference this year in Minneapolis, I had the opportunity to meet up with some of my fellow facilitators for eCornell, specifically for the uh, Brewing and Beer Science Program. And one of those incredibly talented people is our guest today, um, welcoming to the show Harmony Bettenhausen. She is the director of Hartwick College Center for Craft, Food, and Beverage. Harmony, thank you so much for taking time this morning. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me, Sarah Jane. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, great to see you again. So I want to take listeners through a little bit what you do and why it is important. So for those who maybe aren't familiar with the Hartwick College Center for Craft, Food, and Beverage, would you mind giving them an idea of of what this uh, center is and what it does? Sure. So um, the Hartwick College Center for Craft, Food, and Beverage, I know that's a mouthful. We usually just refer to it as the CCFB. Um, so we are, um, so the, the center was conceptualized back in around 2015 or so um, when two things happened. Number one, the college was looking for ways to give back to the community, to uh, connect students with the community, to um, give, you know, Uh, the community a resource. And at the same time, um, Scott Britton, who um, was with Alma Gang at that time up in Cooperstown, um, was connecting with one of our professors here on a question he had um, about metals and beer. Um, And so they worked on a project together. And, you know, the the center kind of came out of that, that idea that that was an underserved area, um, you know, kind of coming on off the, the craft of uh, the crest of craft beer um, and a new wave of craft malt. Um, and then a couple of years later, my predecessor, um, Aaron McLeod, came into the picture and became the um, first director of the CCFB. And because Aaron has he is a anybody who knows Aaron McLeod um, knows that he is a wealth of knowledge um, and a great resource and he came from the Canadian Grain Commission he has a lot a lot of experience um, and made this center into what it is today which is basically sort of a three pronged extension service in a small liberal arts college. So we have um, a lot of areas that we focus in um, our our fee for service primarily, and then research, and then our student-based services. So to kind of dig into that a little bit more, what are some services that you would offer? And I'm, you know, you're offering this to, you know, anybody who reaches out, but mostly it's, you know, local craft beverage producers or food producers. What are some services that you have offered? So we have, you know, kind of morphed and grown over the years according to what people need. And we mostly offer services to um, small grains producers and uh, to maltsters. We do offer some services to our craft brewers, but not so much anymore. They tend to ask for less. Um, 
So, but we do still do some microservices. But we offer raw grains analysis and malt analyses. And, um, you know, we have a, a, a big testing catalog for, you know, those sorts of clients, uh, plus some new craft distilling clients. And again, I'm going to just like keep taking you down more <laughs> to uh, layman's terms here. What is the significance of doing that raw grain analysis? Why is that important? So that's important um, to all of our end users. So one thing that we could offer um, is not so much the measurement itself, you know, the, the, the results that you get, um, you know, like what the total protein is or what the soluble protein is in a malt, you know. Um, the, the thing about that is we are able to give it value to the producer, to the maltster, to the people that need to use that information so that they can use it to create beer or distillate. Okay. And is there a particular partnership or, or something that you've done recently that has been fairly exciting? So we have several things going on. Um, our research, I, <laughs> I uh, you know, came from an R1, so I'm super excited about all the research that we do. And that's not to say that I, I don't love all of our clients because much of my job is, you know, client facing and I love all of our clients dearly. And, uh, am, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, how do you spend so many hours on the phone or on emails? And uh, that's part of what I love is connecting with our clients and helping them work through issues or just talk about their products. I mean, that's part of education and that's part of extension and giving value to what they do and helping them learn how to talk about the value of their raw ingredient, right? So we have lots of research um, projects going on with different universities. We're starting to, you know, do venture in a little bit more to the variety trials. Um, we have micro malting capability, which helps researchers with that sort of pipeline, um, the breeding pipeline. We have partnerships with the University of Kentucky, Virginia Tech, Colorado State, of course, um, Montana State, UC Davis, um, Oregon State, of course. And all of that is, you know, of course, all different types of small grains research from barley to wheat to rye to corn to developing new methods. Um, we have a lot of um, instrumentation. We have um, a, analytical instrumentation uh, capability here and are able to develop some new methods um, or redevelop old methods um, in order to work on projects about my favorite subject, which is flavor. Um, so yeah, we have a lot of exciting things going on with um, other universities and, um, and with industry. So, and you had mentioned, I wanted to get a little bit into this, that you uh, come from an R1 background. Can you um, summarize your background a little bit for our listeners? Sure. So, uh, did you want the whole background or just, Let's do it. <laughs> just the PhD background? <laughs> so, long, long ago, um, I was a pre vet at Colorado State. We were originally were, I, I, I grew up in Chicago. Uh, we moved here um, 95, and I went to Colorado State undergrad. I was a pre vet, and I applied for vet school, did not get in my first time because it's very competitive. And I basically was like, well, whatever, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm on to something else. <laughs> um, I, I love science, I love research, but I was like, I'm not just going to stay here and keep um, banging my head against a wall trying to get into a really competitive vet school. 
And I had been working for um, a vet hospital at that time, you know, doing, you know, rounds and internships and stuff like that. But so I got a job at Odell Brewing after I graduated and did not get into vet school. And it was a wonderful job. And I loved it there and moved my way around the brewery and learned a whole lot, um, mostly from our cellar people and from our lab person. If I'm remembering, I'm bad with names, Nora. Um, she was there long, long ago. Um, but then I went on to do other things. I went overseas for three years to do Peace Corps, um, came back, got jobs at other breweries, worked at a cheesery. <laughs> and then, um, you know, as you get older, you're, you're kind of like, well, what should I, you know, I, I can't do this manual labor for much longer because I'm old and falling apart. Um, so I went back to grad school, which was not much easier and probably took years off my life. But I um, went back and I entered into the food science um, program at Colorado State and ended up with my advisor, Dr. Adam Huberger, in his lab uh, because he was doing um, what's called metabolomics. Um, and for people who aren't familiar, metabolomic, metabolomics is the study of um, small molecules in a system. Um, and we measure those and study those using um, liquid chromatography, mass spectrometry, gas chromatography, mass spectrometry, um, and all of those different fun analytical instruments. Um, and I studied a lot of quality and flavor in small grains uh, for my for my PhD. Um, and yeah, so that's um, so I, I did my master's, I did my PhD with Dr. Huberger um, and Dr. Jessica Prenny. And a lot of other people, countless, countless people who um, all know who they are. And then I, right before I was about to graduate, um, we were still, we were on, there was a virtual um, craft malt conference. And, um, you know, Aaron McLeod and I had, you know, sort of known each other for, for quite a few years and I, I must have made a comment in one of the chat bars or something like that and, you know, to, to make him believe that I was graduating. And he called me up and he said, are, are you in fact graduating? And I said, yeah, yeah, why? <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, I'm um, considering going back to Canada. It was, you know, still during the pandemic um, and he and his wife are from Canada. And so the rest is sort of history. That's how I ended up in central New York um, at this at this lab. Yeah. Nice. And so you had mentioned you you focused on flavor in small grains. What what does that what does that mean? <laughs> so um, yeah, it's sort of very broad. Um, so a lot of what we did and continue to do is study a lot about specifically barley's contribution through malting and into beer, and also, you know, the malt contribution to flavor um, in distillate in beer. So we performed these large-scale studies using metabolomics and sensory and um, uh, macro-level measurement, other macro-level measurements, um, like sensory, but the physical measurements of, you know, like the, the malt analyses and stuff like that to be able to look at the relationships between, say, you know, the volatile compounds, you know, the, the aroma compounds in beer or a hot steep or just, a, you know, or malt in general, and looked at the relationships of those two other quality factors or to the end product. 
And we are still actually um, working on a lot of these projects. Um, I work a lot with Pat Hayes and his lab out in Oregon State, um, the Barley World people. And um, we are now looking at, and um, it's really a, a broad project, um, large-scale project, working on trying to connect some of those metabolites, those volatile and non-volatile chemicals to specific genetic factors. So let me let me try to get my hands around this here, <laughs> knowing that I have no science background whatsoever. So so basically, you're looking at like for example with the aromas. And walk me through this here. You're analyzing the aromas at the beginning of like the steep, and then how that transfers over to the finished product. Yeah, let's say okay. um, I'll give an, an example. Like say we have a hot steep, and then we have a beer made from that malt that we made the hot steep out of. Um, and the hot steep, if you don't know, is just it's basically it's like a, a malt tea that we use to evaluate the sensory of the of the malt. Um, and so say we take a sample of the beer and that hot steep, and we've got all these other characteristics. We have the malt quality analysis. We have some beer analysis. Um, and then we have the metabolomics. We've got like those non, uh, those volatile um, metabolite profile, like all of the aroma compounds. And say you get um, some grassy, some green tea, some other like earthy characteristics in the hot steep. Um, so what we look at is how those, um, through sensory, what the relationship is between, you know, that, that actual grassy that you're smelling um, or, you know, the green tea or whatever, uh, to what comes up in the metabolomics analysis, what comes up in the, you know, what kind of molecules we're finding. Um, and then we can look at the relationships of that sensory, of those chemicals, and um, the physical characteristics to kind of look at, well, so what does this all mean? <laughs> what, um, what is our grain telling us at that point? Why is this grassy? What does that mean? Um, and does it translate into the finished product? And so it's like a little bit of looking at what is to come and kind of what has affected the grain. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so are you analyzing this for the purpose of hopefully brewers are able to get more out of the grain in the long run or a better way of analyzing, like, say, terroir for grains? Um, really both. Okay. So one of the things we've been looking at, um, you know, the hot steep um, hasn't, except for the, um, there's a lot of other research that other people can talk about this, but we haven't been able to solidly connect anything about the hot steep um, to being able to say predict beer flavor, right? Um, so a grassy in a hot steep wouldn't necessarily mean you'd get grassy in a beer. So we're trying to figure out with the hot steep, for example, what else we can use it for by connecting and looking at the relationships between um, its chemical makeup and the physical characteristics um, and the sensory. Um, we just, you know, that especially is a is a good tool for. Um, Maltsters and brewers potentially to be able to use. And so, um, you know, any tool we have, we like to be able to know how we can use it exhaustively. Does it have one use? Does it have multiple uses? So that's just, for example, one of the things that we're kind of looking at. 
Very cool. I mean, from, you know, when you kind of fast forward this to the actual, like, you know, brew house, the more information that a brewer can have on any flavor component that they're going to be introducing the beer, the better. And, you know, we've talked about this in a couple different shows on how many decisions go into the brewing process and how many variables there are in the brewing process, you know, from a, just if you, if you look at brewing from just like a purely science perspective, and, you know, I, I talked to a friend of mine who's a epidemiologist. She said that brewing is a little terrifying for her because just from like a science perspective, when you're looking at the basic outline of, you know, kind of creating something, you try to have as few variables as possible. And when you're brewing a beer, it's like a comical amount of variables because it's not just you know, the barley, you have the water, you have the yeast, you've got the hops, you've got temperature, you've got, you know, the way the brewer feels that day. I mean, it's... <laughs> Right. No, it's totally true. All You have all of those variables. Plus you have, you know, and this is one of the, the big things that we talk about, you know, when you just mentioned terroir, but one of the things we talk about is, you know, this is an agricultural product, right? And um, I know that people strive, a lot of people strive for consistency, but this being an agricultural product with um, you know, barley, which is an agricultural product that has undergone, you know, uh, its own, you know, G by E, you know, genetics environment, and then another processing step, which is malting, which, you know, adds a thousand more val- variables into it, and then hops, which undergo their own, you know, G by E, and then you've got the water, and then you've got yeast, of which, you know, there's a thousand different strains these days, you know, so, One of the things that I've kind of been hearing a lot lately is, you know, we don't strive for consistency per se. We strive to be consistently quality. So that's one of the most um, important messages, I think, um, that are that's out there. Um, As long as we are all striving to be quality and not just, you know, throwing trash into the world (laughs) as far as our products are concerned. you know, that, that will, that will really move our industry, you know, our collective industry of craft, um, along much further, uh, when people begin to see the value in that, you know, New York for a long time struggled with, oh, you know, there, you know, there aren't good grains here. There's not good hops here. There's not good, you know, you just can't do it in New York. And, um, that's one of the things that, uh, my predecessor, Aaron, you know, definitely helped move along was, you know, that giving the value to the products and helping people improve the quality of the products and thereby, you know, thereby improving the end products, you know, then you've given value to the whole industry, you know, and you've educated people on, yeah, we can do it and this is how, and this is how we keep moving further. And now you're, New York State is home to some of the best, you know, malt, maltsters and and, and growers in the, in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, you know, all throughout the U.S., really, I mean, there are some fantastic producers of barley. There are some fantastic maltsters, for sure. I mean, and it's because the craft industry has really, well, I mean, embraced craft, and it's part of the story wherever you are. Um, you know, I you know, having just come from Colorado and from here too, you know, there's a strong story and people are, you know, very involved and very proud of what they do. Um, 
and um, Jason at Strong Rope um, Brewery in Brooklyn, um, he's a big advocate of telling that story. He's a big advocate of like, you know, being involved and being at field days and seeing barley and seeing hops and being very in touch and having those relationships um, up and down the supply chain, knowing what's going on. And I, I think that's that's really important for um, all craft people, whether it's, you know, brewing, distilling, malting, whomever. You really need to know what's going on, um, not only in the world, but, you know, locally, you know, who you need to support and, you know, who who's doing quality work, who needs to improve and how to have those conversations. Yeah. I mean, you've heard for years and years and years of brewers, you know, going to Oregon to do their hop selections or going to do hop harvest and stuff like that. And there's definitely a growing trend of, you know, people going out into the fields and really, you know, seeing how impactful barley selection and, you know, getting to know where every single piece of the ingredient is coming from. Right. I mean, you know, we, we, what did we grow up hearing? Knowledge is power. I mean, and even if you're not going to particularly use, I don't know how you couldn't use that information, but, you know, I, I, and I've definitely run into a lot of, you know, brewers and especially new brewers, you know, just, um, who don't particularly know that there's a two row or six row or why two row is the best, you know, or why six row is anecdotally bad or whatever. It's not bad. Um, you know, or that, you know, there's spring or winter varieties or, you know, what's really going on in the barley world, you know, they just know that, uh, we just get grain and, and we don't read our certificate of analysis and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, you know, that will really inform on everything that you do, you know, and we've kind of seen the result of, just sort of blowing it off with, um, you know, this past year, you know, the the really, you know, pretty terrible, horrible harvest that we all had, you know, in the U.S. and Canada and, you know, compounded by uh, the Eastern European situation and, you know, the, the limitation of, of grains. And a lot of people have turned suddenly to craft maltsters. Um, they're like, oh, we need grain. We need grain. And it's like, well, you know, I can't help you right now because I'm already, ma- you know, this poor little craft monster is already maxed out on what they can do. Um, and also, you know, I kind of want to put out there that if you're going to support craft, it has to be a long-term commitment. Short-term does not work for them. You know, if you're willing to make the commitment to them, they're willing to make the commitment to you to do, you know, anything that they can do to, you know, help you with your product. Yeah. No, I mean, and that, I mean, that just goes across the board, you know, whether you're supporting a craft monster, craft brewer, craft cheesemonger, you know. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, and now it's kind of the time to, you know, be thinking more. I know we've been saying that for years. Oh, we need to think local, you know, think regionally. Um, But, you know, now more than ever with, you know, we've seen what supply chain challenges can do. We've seen, you know, what happens when gas prices are out of control and it's, you know, the barley prices are out of control. Well, you know, we could support more local incentives to, you know, get more producers on board with growing barley, um, you know, regionally adapted barley um, and support our breeding programs a little bit more so that they can develop those um, those barley varieties. You know, and the same with hops, not just even talking about barley, but, um, you know, the same with all of our products. It, it is important. Um, and it's not just sort of lip service to support local. It really does make an impact. Um, 
and it, it has an impact on everyone around you, you know, economically and otherwise. Yeah. No, for sure. And, you know, moving forward um, within the center, are there some hopes that you have or, or some things on the horizon that you are excited about? So I, um, I mean, moving research forward, uh, research, you know, obviously is always exciting. Um, I think it's been interesting watching, you know, it'll be interesting to watch how this industry morphs and grows, um, especially, uh, you know, not just craft malting and, and distilling or, and brewing, but also the craft distilling, um, world, um, has been growing exponentially. Um, and we're excited to have more of those clients and more of those research projects as well. And, um, you know, I've just sort of hit my year mark here. So, um, being more involved with, you know, and I also came here in the, you know, sort of the middle of the pandemic. Um, so it was a little strange at first, but now, um, able to be getting more involved with students and having them around for special research projects. Um, you know, being able to support our students is, is huge. Um, you know, we're the ones who are responsible for sending them out into the world and not only being good people, but having skills as well. And we've got a really small college here. I mean, we do have a, a SUNY, a State University of New York here right next door to us as well. So we've got a great little, you know, sort of undergradish uh, community here and um, getting our students more excited about a couple things, you know, about food science in general. Um, we don't have a, a dominant food science program here um, and, you know, exposing them to, you know, it's sort of like that practical, like, okay, they've got chem, they've got OCHEM, you know, but what does that all mean? Well, giving some meaning to it through, you know, like food science or, or applications like that um, could really, you know, I mean, I hope it really makes a difference. Um, it gives them some other perspectives. Um, and also agriculture in general, we are hugely, which I did not actually realize because, you know, I, I am not from here, <laughs> uh, but we are hugely agricultural and um, getting more young people involved in agriculture um, is super important. I read a statistic, I think that like the average farmer in the United States is like, at retirement age for whatever that means, you know, for whatever that's worth. So getting people involved and letting them develop a love for agriculture is really important because it is, you know, it's, it's, it's how we live. We don't live without these people and without a new generation of them, <laughs> it might, might be a little bit grim. I'm not sure, but you know, these, uh, it's important to instill those, those, I guess that love that, you know, we all have of, of agriculture and where our food comes from and how it's produced um, into younger generations. Well, you couldn't be positioned better, you know, right? You're right a little bit south of the Finger Lakes, right? Yes. Uh, yep. Yep. Kind of middle of New York there. So. <laughs> yeah, kind of the middle of New York. <laughs> yep. So, exactly. and, you know, kind of as we're wrapping up here, a little bit of a superfluous question, but as you're, you know, adjusting to your new New York surroundings, is there a brewery that you have uh, come to enjoy in your area? Um, so we do spend, because it's right here, we spend a lot of time at Oma Gang. <laughs> They've got this great lawn and, you know, like music and stuff like that. It's a really vibrant 
sort of a place um, and along the lines of what I'm used to, uh, you know, I mean, I, you know, again, being from Colorado, we have the new Belgiums and the Odells and everybody with the lawns and everybody hanging out. And that's a nice environment for people, you know, everybody like playing Frisbee or whatever they're doing and dogs around. Um, Oma Gang is really good. Um, I do like Big Alice up here. And of course, I'm a huge fan of Strong Rope. Every time we're in Brooklyn, we definitely visit Jason down there. Um, we've been, def- you know, we've been trying to explore, um, you know, the the uh, wineries and uh, cideries and distilleries up here, um, especially in the Finger Lakes area. Um, yeah, I, I, again, I, you know, had you sort of read about these things, but you don't realize how much is going on until you get here. And you're like, wow, this really is, um, there's a lot coming out of this area. No, it's, I (laughs) mean, and just even on the, just even on the side of uh, something as, I mean, cider, just cider alone has, has completely exploded in that area and making some pretty phenomenal ciders and I'm always I'm always impressed by that cider is always an intimidating world to me because it's even more um it's even more variable (laughs) yeah (laughs) right and there are so many different types of apples it's it's really it's really amazing um actually so a few months ago I had heard on the podcast um ologies with Allie Ward um this guy Gabe who's the ciderologist. Um, and I, he had, yeah, no, he was great. If you get it, I would definitely, he's definitely someone t- to interview. Um, he actually has books out as well. Um, and I immediately called him up and asked for a meeting with him. I was like, I need to know all about what's going on with cider. <laughs> and he's got such great stories, but there's an amazing, vibrant cider scene here as well. Um, and again, you know, we don't see too many of them, you know, unless we go out to the, you know, to actually um, do some tasting, but, uh, the, the cider people don't ask for too much. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a lot out here. Like I, I, um, you know, you, I thought that, um, Colorado was very agricultural and it is, but, um, you know, just driving from here, like up to Ithaca or more into the Finger Lakes, like I have started to bring cash with me so that I could buy all of the things on the roadside. Yeah. Like vegetables and maple syrup and honey. And I mean, it's just like, wow, you don't even really need to go to the grocery store. Very, very bountiful. Um, No, I I spent a little bit of about four years in the Hudson Valley. I was incredibly spoiled. I had no idea how how good I had it. Um, (laughs) But no, definitely, um, definitely really rich. And even uh, about a year ago, we did a show with uh, Brewery Arden in. in the Finger Lakes, just probably, probably about two hours from you, but what a great place. Yes. And it's a phenomenal brewery. And like the fact that they're producing the beer that they're producing so well, right out the gate is really impressive. And then they've literally created a space that you feel like you're in the countryside in Belgium. I mean, just take away the TVs and you're, and you're there, you're there. (laughs) But I, I, yes, it's an, incredible facility. I mean, um, Kaylin Kirkpatrick from the Brewers Association and I went and toured uh, his place and it was yeah. just phenomenal. Just I highly, highly recommend anybody uh, who has the opportunity, just go to the Finger Lakes and, and have at it. Um, 
Well, Harmony, thank you so much. And I'm excited to see, thank you for nerding out a little bit with me on uh, malt research. And um, I'm excited to see all the research that comes out of uh, the CCFB. Now I'm just going to use acronyms, you know, I'm, I'm in the club now. Um, if listeners do want to check out, you know, what research comes out or any kind of updates, is there a way for them to do that without being, you know, students or anything like that? Um, you mean research papers yeah. or just research in Yeah, general? or if there's anything, if there's anything that you all report out to like the general public or, I know that's not super common with, with facilities, but I figured I'd, you know, venture and ask. <laughs> well, I mean... Uh, I'm usually out at conferences. Yeah. <laughs> People can, um, they can go to our website. Um, I'm going to try to be, um, I have had my um, CCFB Instagram connected to our our website now. Uh, so I'll hopefully be posting a little bit more um, of that. I, I'm not a super fan of like shamelessly self-promoting, but I've been told that that's a necessary yep. evil. Um, <laughs> that you have to put your stuff out there um, and get people interested. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess just check out the the website, the um, Center for Craft Food and Beverage um, website, and that will all be there. Um, and I mean, if anybody is at the American Craft Distillers Conference in New Orleans, speaking of swampy, swampy weather in July, <laughs> um, I will be there with Gabe Toth um, from Family Jones in Colorado, um, talking about barley, of course, um, and then at um, the uh, American Society Brewing Chemists Meeting World Brewing Congress this year in August, and then total shameless self-promotion, um, the uh, North American <laughs> Barley Research Workshop and Barley Improvement Conference is at UC Davis in September. Um, if anybody wants any information, they can contact me about that. Um, all kinds of nerdy barley research. And we will be having um, a pre-conference brew day and the Craft Malt Guild will be holding malt for brewers and distillers course. So if anybody needs any information on those random, brief, shameless self-promotions. I love it. No, I feel like, I feel like research uh, facilities and, and people who do really cool research need to hire, you know, you know, Instagram influencers or something like that to like get the information because the, the information is fascinating, maybe because I'm a nerd, but I think it's really fascinating. And if we can get research put into terms that people understand and out there, you know, I'm not saying like make TikTok videos, but you know, uh, <laughs> we'll get, get some of it out there and, and, uh, you know, we could make really cool research TikTok videos. That's a, <laughs> we could I put myself in a little barley costume. Or yeah. Something and dance Create like the new, you know, TikTok uh, <laughs> trending dance move, but you know, you just need a Gosh, nobody really <laughs> wants to see that. <laughs> well, Harmony, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, for those of you listening, check out the uh, Hartwick College Center for Craft Food and Beverage website. It is really cool and it is really fascinating to see all the work that is being done to help uh, promote uh, the craft beverage world. Uh, thank you all for listening to Beer Me. Uh, please check us out anywhere you get podcasts, but when you do, like, subscribe, give all the stars. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out at Radio at Instagram or Radio at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening, and we will catch you next time. Cheers. Cheers.